The Creep Show Chronicles contains graphic and disturbing content that may not be suitable for all listeners. Listener discretion is advised. Sam and I'm Ashley. Welcome to the episode 85 of the Creep Show Chronicles. We are talking about something that I heard on and that's how we drink. I heard it like last year sometime and I just kind of filed it away in my to do and today is the day that we do the do. So we are talking about the Ariel School UFO incident. I have not talked about aliens. Neither of us have talked about aliens in quite some time. So I think it is high time we talk about aliens. Now, I did get some of my information from And That's Why We Drink, but most of my information I got from the National Library of Medicine, Wikipedia, and Vice. I started doing my research and then I just kept going deeper. I started out with three pages. So I uh, apologize in advance uh, for anything that I mispronounced. I tried to get pronunciations of all of the words, but uh, forgive me, Africa. I'm sorry. Do you know, have you heard of- No way, it took place in Africa? It takes place in Africa. So, um, do you know, okay, so mass hysteria. Have you heard of mass hysteria? That sounds familiar. Okay, so mass hysteria is, um, well, I mean, Salem Witch Trials. We did see mass hysteria in the Salem Witch Trials with the people blaming everybody, thinking that they have the sickness and all that. So mass hysteria is the common term used to describe a situation in which various people all suffer from similar unexplained symptoms. Hysterical contagion consists of a quick dissemination whatever, with a collection of people with a people, people, with a symptom or a set of symptoms for which no physical explanation can be found. In a group of students, as our story includes today, our main story, that is, he started out as just the only story and then it just kept going. So in a group of students, as our main story includes today, the symptoms often follow an environmental trigger or illness and an index case and spread rapidly by audiovisual cues, often aggravated by a prominent emergency or media response. Symptoms frequently resolve after patients are separated from each other, removed from the environment in which the outbreak began, and after being convinced that the illness is over or never existed, uh, literature suggests that mass hysteria episodes have frequently occurred in Africa, which is really weird. So what causes mass hysteria? Epidemics of hysteria rely on the power of suggestion, but they are nourished by fear, sadness, and anxiety. The article lists a few different cases from Africa, but the one, the main, the main one that we are covering today takes place in Rua, Zimbabwe on September 16, 1994, around 10.30 in the morning. Mashana land east in Zimbabwe Ariel School was an expensive private school, and most of the pupils were from wealthy white families in uh, Harare. Yeah, Harare. Harare. Two days prior to the incident at Ariel, there had been a number of UFO sightings throughout southern Africa. There had been numerous reports of a bright fireball passing through the sky at night. Many people answered ZBC's radio request to call in and describe what they had seen. Although some witnesses interpreted the fireball as a comet or meteor, 
It resulted in a wave of UFO mania in Zimbabwe at the time. The adult facility at the school facility. The adult faculty at the school were inside having a meeting at the time. The entire incident lasted about 15 minutes. Allison Kirkman was watching the kids and from and that's why we drink M said all the kids saw at least one craft. It was really shiny. The kids ran towards it uh, the fence to get a better look. And there was at least one bean in black, like a scuba suit. One girl claimed one of the beans came close to her and her friends and imitating the skipping that they were doing. And then it stopped and just stared at the children. Uh, yeah. I'm going to get. <laughs> <laughs> they felt like they were staring into their souls. They said they also saw natural disasters, a barren planet, and a wasteland of oceans. So they like put these images into the kids' head. So the kids had no time awareness while this was happening. One girl said the school bell rang and she came back to reality almost as if she was in a trance. None of the teachers believed they saw a UFO, but they did agree that they definitely saw something, which is literally a UFO, the unidentified flying object. So Allison said that she saw a bunch of kids run towards her screaming about a man in black on the playground. 62 kids ran into the faculty meeting. They told the teachers that they had seen but they were dismissed. When they returned home, they told their parents, and actually, whenever some of the parents came to pick up the kids, the kids made them walk around the property so that they could show them where they saw the UFO. The sighting was reported on ZBC Radio from where Cynthia Hind learned about it. Hind visited the school the next day. She interviewed the children and asked them to draw pictures of what they had seen. She reported that the children all told the same story. Uh, the BBC's correspondent in Zimbabwe, Tim Leach, visited the school on September 19th to film interviews with pupils, staff, and Hind. After investigating the incident, uh, Leach claimed, I could handle war zones, but I could not handle this. Now, she said that they all um, drew the same thing and had the same stories. However, there was a lot of um, stories that they were similar, but there were different details which does not mean that the kids were lying. It could, a lot of times with beans, whether it be supernatural or, um, you know, out of this world, um, they can manipulate your mind to have you see and think and hear different things. So if one kid saw, you know, a barren planet and the other kid saw daisies and flowers and lilies, that doesn't mean that one of the kids is lying. It just means that the bean wanted them to see something different. So that November, Harvard University professor of psychiatry, Jack, uh, John Mack, visited the aerial schools to interview the witnesses. Throughout the 1990s, Mack had investigated UFO sightings and had a particular interest in the alien abduction phenomena. In May 1994, the dean of Harvard Medical School, Daniel C. Tostison, Tost, uh, whatever, appointed a committee of peers to confidently review Max's clinical care and clinical investigation of the people who had shared their alien encounters with him. Some of their cases were written off in Max's 1994 book, Abduction. The issue was that uh, Mac had communicated to these people that their experience may have been real. After 14 months, Harvard issued a statement stating that the dean had reaffirmed Dr. Mac's academic freedom to study what he wishes and to state his opinions without impediment. Concluding, Dr. Mack remains a member in good standing of the Harvard uh, Faculty of Medicine. 
According to the interviews of Hind, Leach, and Mack, 62 children between the ages of 6 and 12 claimed to have seen at least one UFO. Not all of the children at the school claimed a sighting. The basic details of the sighting were quite consistent, though not all the details were. One or more silver objects, usually described as discs, appeared in the sky. They then floated down to the field of brush and small trees just outside the school property. Between one and four creatures with big eyes dressed in all black exited the craft and approached the children. At this point, many of the children ran, but some, mostly older people, stayed and watched the approach. According to Max's interviews, the creature or creatures then telepathically communicated to the children an environmental message before returning to the craft and flying away. According to Dunning, this telepathic message aspect of the story was not included in Hind's or Leach's reports, only Max, although Hind did report it later. In Max's interviews, one fifth grader tells how he was warned about something that's going to happen and that pollution mustn't be. Um, an 11-year-old girl told Mac, I think they want people to know that we're actually making harm on this world and we mustn't get too technologed, is what she said. One child said that he was told that the world would end because they are not taking care of the planet. Another child said the eyes looked evil, like it wanted to come and take us. Mac asked what they said and the child said they spoke telepathically. The children were adamant that they had not seen a plane. Hine noted that the different cultural backgrounds of the children gave rise to different interpretations of what they had seen, and they did not believe that they had seen extraterrestrials. She noted that some of the children thought the short little beings were uh, takaloshes, creatures of Shona and uh, Indibala folklore. A lot of the reports were mixed. Some said the beings were on the ground. Some said they weren't hovering, or they were hovering. Some said they were standing on, standing on the craft. Some said they saw flashes of light. Some didn't. Some said they heard high-pitched sounds. Others didn't hear anything. In a June 2021 episode of the BBC's Witness History, the event was described as one of the most significant events in UFO history. Ufologists continue to cite the case as providing compelling evidence of extraterrestrial visits to Earth. Skeptics have dismissed the incident as one of mass hysteria or even a prank. In December 2020, Brian Dunning devoted an entire episode of his Skeptoid podcast to the incident. In it, he noted that some of the children in the school claimed that they had not seen anything unusual that day. He claimed that the often repeated claim that as rural school children in Zimbabwe, the witnesses would have not had enough exposure to modern media and so would not have been familiar with the concept of UFOs and alien visitors. He also criticized the interviewing techniques of Hein and Mack. Hein interviewed the children in groups of four to six with every other child allowed to listen and so their stories were cross-contaminated. Mack only interviewed the children two months... <laughs> okay, so Mack, he let... He let the kids' brains fester for two months before interviewing them, which is not a good idea. No. <laughs> um, uh, so after two months, he did interview them and after the alleged sighting, and Dunning said that Mac, a known environmentalist, prompted and suggested the telepathic communication angle, which was not present in Hines' previous report. Several of the witnesses maintain that what was reported is true. <laughs> In 2014, the Mail and Guardian spoke to one of the witnesses who said that she fears that the creatures will return and that she can sense when they are back in the atmosphere. In 2016, 
witness Emily Trim exhibited paintings that she had described as a manifestation of messages she received. In 2016, witness Emily Trim exhibited paintings that she described as a manifestation of the messages she received from the beings that day. They can also alter perception to make you feel more comfortable. In June 2021, uh, well, I said that like that. In June 2021, Barstool Sports writer Zach... Zah. last name? Uh, Zah. Zah. In June 2021, Barstool Sports writer Zah spoke in an interview about being a pupil in Ariel that day. He recounted that he saw a bright light come down from the sky and aliens exit it. Other witnesses were interviewed for the 2020 documentary, The Phenomena, and spoke about how the experience has affected whatever the hell it was. It was friggin' weird. Um, so that was where I had ended originally, right? <laughs> so then, um, now, okay, so I was only going to cover the aerial event until I kept reading. And something that I found odd was that there are a lot of reports of mass hysteria in schools in Africa. And going back to the National Library of Medicine in 1962, several schools in Tanzania experienced a mass hysteria called laughter epidemic. It is believed to have started in, in or near the village of uh, Kashasha on the western coast of Lake Victoria in the modern nation of Tanzania near the border of Kenya. It is believed at the start of the incident, a joke was told in a boarding school and this joke triggered a small group of students to start laughing. The laughter perpetuated itself, far transcending, far transcending its original cause. The school from which the epidemic sprang was shut down. The children and parents transmitted to the surrounding area. Other schools, uh, Kashasha itself and other, another village, uh, comprising, comprising of thousands of people, were all affected to some degree. Six to 18 months after it started, the phenomenon died off. So people were laughing for six to 18 months. And it was just like... Continuously? Constantly? Yeah. yeah, it was an epidemic. People could not stop laughing. Like, can you, like, die from laughing yourself to death? You can. What the fuck? You can. You can die from laughing and you can die from dancing. The following symptoms were reported on an equally massive scale as the reports of the laughter itself. Pain, fainting, respiratory problems, rashes, and attacks of crying. Uh, in 2008, Tanzania... Tanzania witnessed another episode of mass hysteria. A schoolroom in central Tanzania descended into chaos after female pupils began to faint, slumping over in their exam papers or collapsing to the floor. Twenty girls rapidly lost consciousness. Others sobbed, yelled, and ran around the school. According to the local educational officer, such events were very common at the school. In 1999, a mass hysteria occurred uh, at a high school in Umtata, Eastern Cape of South Africa, with the outbreak displaying several features of mass hysteria with pseudo-seizures. So many people in the town, including doctors, priests, parents, and students, this was an unknown phenomenon. It generated a lot of anxiety aggravated by extensive media coverage. And a few days before the outbreak of the epidemic, it was noted that during the, mom during the morning prayers, a few female students had fallen down unconscious. They were taken to the staff room and a few minutes later regained consciousness. The pupils went on to attend classes as usual. On the morning of May 21st, 1999, during the morning prayer, female students started screaming and falling in rapid succession. A total of 50 students out of a population of 765 were involved. There was a complete 
There was complete pandemonium at the school. Ambulances and private cars were used to ferry those affected to the local hospitals and clinics. There was a church nearby the school where the students and members of the community believed that Satanism was being practiced. Of course, the students were living under stressful conditions at the hostel. On the return of the students, the principals stressed that there were no evil spirits or demons at the school while the outbreak was a result of anxiety of the approaching June examinations. The latter would not be postponed. Stressful living conditions at the hostel would be investigated and rectified, and at the slightest indication of a relapse, the index student would be sent home for the rest of the year. There were no further outbreaks after this announcement. In February 2000, about 1,430 learners, particularly girls, at schools in Mangon and Hidedal in the Free State Province of South Africa presented with mass itching of unknown origin. At the first school to be affected in Mangon, uh, itching began as soon as the leaders entered the school premises. A few, a very, very few reported itching or scratching at home. The affected learners were taken to the principal's office and those who came to observe what was happening experienced an onset of itching. The epidemic affected students, but few teachers, mainly female, reported some itching as well. No organic cause was found for the itching and finally a diagnosis of anxiety and mass hysteria was given for this outbreak. The schools were closed and fumigated. When the learners went back, the headmaster set limits and the itching stopped. Psychologically, fear of being affected was reported by most students who had not experienced any itching and this caused some anxiety. The rejection that those who were itching experienced angered them. They felt that they were not responsible for their condition. Rumors abound as to what was the cause of the itching. Satanism, of course, again, once again, was blamed for the itching. (sighs) Others said that there were two boys who were seen sprinkling some white powder in the girls' toilets. Gee, was it itching powder? Hmm. Uh, There were rumors, because it was mostly girls that were itching, so. There were rumors that two learners had died, but this was never verified. And it appears that the source of some of the rumors were members of the public who phoned a local radio station chat shows to discuss the itching. Witchcraft, poisoning, and insect bites were proposed as causes of the strange behavior by the previously well-known children. Uh, Experts who investigated these possibilities, however, excluded any identifiable cause. Nearly all of the children were well again the next day. The assessment after the incidents was an outbreak of mass hysteria. The parents and the lay media, however, refused to accept this diagnosis, which had added to the stress and the anxiety that the children faced when they returned to school. So, Uganda has also experienced several mass hysteria episodes in the past 10 years or so. A series of mass hysteria has been reported. Um, in the 1980s, boarding school, secondary school, girls in Indije secondary school were attacked by mass abnormal dancing. So, there was a mass hysteria of dancing, and there was a story... Where these people, it was like years and years and years ago, mm. where these people got up, started dancing, and didn't stop until they died. Oh my god. Yeah. Um, that's not what this is, but... So, I kept digging, and I found a Vice article um, about this. So, I kept digging and found an article from Vice from 2016. A small group of students started claiming they'd seen a black figure lurking around the school. It didn't take long before more students... Uh, and they and then teachers said they seen 
they saw the same figure or felt a supernatural presence. One teacher said she felt a heavy presence hanging onto her. Another said a black figure was attempting to enter her body. And this was about 100 people, mostly students, at the Malaysian school, Ping Kalan Chepa. Uh, were, they were affected by this mysterious incident. And um, a senior staff member said, our students were possessed and stirred by these spirits. And they said, we are not sure why it happened. We don't know what it is that affected us. But the place is a bit um, bit old. And these children can be disobedient sometimes. They can throw the rubbish around the school grounds. Perhaps they hit some gins and offered... Or, sorry. Perhaps they hit some gins and offended the spirits. She added, just so, you know, nonchalant. They hit some gins. It's fine. Just call Sam and Dean. (laughs) Don't break that fucking plaque seal there, bud. (laughs) So, eventually, school authorities shut down the school, sending everyone home. They called in experts, including uh, witch doctors, to do prayer sessions and exorcisms. On Sunday, the school reopened, and the things have since gone back to normal. But there's still a sense, uh, still an intense interest in what happened, uh, which is understandable. Uh, how can a hundred people see something supernatural spark from one initial sighting? If it is uh, psychological, is it truly an unpleasant uh, spiritual experience? Are the students lying? Mass hysteria or mass psychogenic illness as it's now called, is defined as a spontaneous and quick spread of false or exaggerated beliefs within a particular population. Sometimes it's more than just a belief. Lines blur when symptoms become physical and all the more confusing and terrifying. Incidents crop up across the world every week. Outbreaks were particularly prevalent in schools and factories in Malaysia and Singapore throughout the 70s. In one outbreak in a school in 1979, 48 students went hysterical. According to a news report, some cried, shivered, and started eating the grass and empty glasses. And others started, um, others stared into empty spaces with open eyes while performing a Tai Chi type of dance movement called the Kuda Kapang, an ancient Malay uh, wedding dance. Some were restrained from their violent fits by teachers. And mass hysteria was also the reason for the majority of the Salem witch trials. So whether the events in Rua were the result of mass hysteria or an actual UFO encounter is still up for debate. The incident is one of the weirdest of the 20th century. But yeah, so that was the aerial school UFO incident and then mass hysteria in Africa and Asia. I don't know if you ever remember the show Sightings. (sighs) And they would talk about fucking UFOs, and I swear to God, they had this one episode. I don't know if it was real or not, mm-hmm. but they actually showed supposedly them doing an autopsy on a fucking alien. Oh yeah, that's not real. That's yeah. been debunked. That, that freaked me out. Yeah, I was scared of that show. I'm like, oh god, they're watching sightings. I got to cover my eyes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that one. I would have horrible nightmares of being abducted by fucking aliens. Yeah, yeah, that video has been it's been debunked, but um. Mass hysteria has definitely been prevalent the past two years with all of these Colt 45 members and their Fox News. You know, Tucker Tucker Carlson says one thing and then all of the Colt 45 members go, oh my God. 
So well, I'm over it. I am. And if you want to find us on social media, you can find us on Instagram and Facebook at The Creep Show Chronicles and Twitter at The Creep Show One and TikTok at The Creep Show Chronicles. So thanks for listening to The Creep Show Chronicles. I'm Sarah. And I'm Ashley Steve. Thanks for listening to The Creep Show Chronicles. Follow us on social media and share our show so we can grow our audience.